Let me welcome you back this evening as we continue our study of Proverbs. Tonight we begin what we've uh, been sort of laying the foundation for in the first several weeks of 2020, and that is simply to talk about wisdom, why it's important, what it, how it's presented in Proverbs. But tonight we begin in looking at practical, topical, not that wisdom is not practical and topical, but we're going to get very specific to uh, the subjects. Instead of going through Proverbs, you know, chapter 1, verse 1, chapter 1, verse 2, chapter 1, verse 3, uh, we're going to begin tonight where we top, uh, categorize the, the Proverbs and uh, kind of group them together by topic because there's a lot of repetition and a lot of Proverbs that are very similar in nature. And so I thought that would be more useful and helpful as we proceed through. Are you an angry person? Uh, There's a difference between being angry and being an angry person. Being human means you have the emotion of anger. When God created you in your mother's womb, he didn't just create you physically, but he created your mind. And in your mind is the seat of of various emotions. One of those emotions is is anger. So anger is a God-created emotion. It's put there by him. And obviously we understand at one extreme it can, can lead to some very sinful, troubling things. It can separate us from God. It can cause us uh, eternal damnation. Uh, but it's there for a reason. God doesn't create anything without purpose. So being angry isn't in and of itself wrong. Jesus himself was angry, although we don't usually tend to see those stories at VBS. I see Jamie, maybe Jamie and and the the team will, in their VBS, come up with an angry Jesus week or something, I don't know. That would be entertaining. Uh, (laughs) I think there are two extremes with anger, and this is where we get in trouble. Uh, The first is the over-angry person. People are just hotheads, and they they have an itchy trigger. They just are always, I mean, just every little thing sets them off to the point where you just almost get used to it. You just get used to a person who's always yelling, who's always cussing, who's always, you know, just in a fit of anger. Um, Sometimes you go to sports uh, events, and you'll see the perpetually angry parent. Oh, come on, ref, come on. I mean, they just can't enjoy a sports game without yelling at somebody. Um, I think that, I think that, that certainly shows their passion. Um, so that's one extreme, okay? But the other extreme is maybe being under angry. Uh, the only song, the only hymn, according to Mark Yakely, that uh, is, was in our hymn book that kind of pertained to the topic is the one we sang right before the lesson. Angry words, oh, let them never be spoken. Wow, never? I'm not sure I agree with that. Now, I, I, I get the sentiment, but this is kind of the, the challenge in the Christian world, is that sometimes we think that being a Christian means you, you never, ever get angry. And, and I think that's just a lie from the enemy. I think there are many times when 
and, and keep this in, in perspective here, there are many times when Christians should be angrier than they are. And, and there is an appropriate place for anger. As long as it doesn't get into hurting people, but just, just anger over, over wrong things, anger over sin, anger over things that make God angry, that's perfectly justified and, and, and very much appropriate. So, so between the extreme of never getting angry or, or sort of getting passive-aggressively angry, right? Uh, you know, you can be nice to a person, you smile, but inside you're just, ah, I hate you so much, you know, that kind of thing. Um, that's the kind of thing you tend to see in, in Christian circles, is that sort of passive-aggressive anger. So we've got to go between these two extremes. Never getting angry and always getting angry. And, and somewhere here in the middle lies the right way to be angry and to do that in a way that doesn't lead you to, to sin. Now, how do we do that? Well, that requires wisdom. How do we get wisdom? Well, you should have been here for the first several weeks of 2020. If you weren't, you can listen to the podcast. I don't know why I did it. M- maybe I, I just hadn't, maybe it had been too long since I had eaten. Maybe I just had too many things going. But, but I remember when I did it, and I remember exactly the place where it happened. I'll take you there. It was McDonald's. It was specifically the McDonald's right across from Wesley Hospital. I was going to see somebody, as, as usually I have in the course of my week, a, a hospital visit or two, and there was someone there. And I, I had to get to another appointment after that visit. And so I just pulled into the McDonald's to park there, cross the street, run in, do the visit, pray, and come out. But apparently McDonald's has gotten a bit more vigilant about cracking down. There's apparently a huge problem with people using their parking lot in this way. I pulled in the parking lot, and as I get out of my car, instead of going to the restaurant, I head over to the crosswalk. And as I do, somebody yells at me, sir, sir. I just kind of look at him, and then I keep on going. Sir, you can't park there. I didn't see he's wearing a badge, so, you know, I kept on going. Sir. You cannot park there. If you don't come back and move your car, I will have it towed. Now, this frustrated me already. I'm a task-oriented person. You've got to understand. I don't like being gotten off task. I went back, and I just got so angry with this guy. I was livid. I said, really? This is really the best use of your time? It turns out he was a part-time security guard hired by McDonald's to keep the parking lot clear of people who weren't buying Big Macs. (laughs) Sir, we just cannot have people who are not patronizing the restaurant parking here. I said, I'm going up to see someone in the hospital. Come on. I'm sorry, sir. Then I got really mad. I pulled out my phone, took a picture of him, took a picture of his license plate. I don't know what I was thinking. What was I going to do with that information? Then he said, that's it. I'm just going to call the towing company now. Seeing I had no outlet, grabbed my keys, I stomped for my car. I may have sped just a little bit as I pulled out. I pulled around to the hospital. I parked. And in that moment, as I'm sitting in my car, it was just this, it's not an audible voice of God. There wasn't a burning bush inside my Jeep Grand Cherokee. 
but it was just the voice. I know it. It's not an audible voice, but it's just a, it's just a thought that's smarter than me, that, that evades, invades my mind, that it is, is, is smarter than me. And it was this. Well, are you done? I don't really want to have this conversation right now, God. Do you think you best represented me right then? No, probably not. What if he turns on TV and sees you on Know Your Bible? All right, all right. I cannot do it. What do you want me to do? Go make your visit. So I do. I go up, make my visit. I'm still thinking about this whole thing. Come down, I've almost forgotten it. I pull out onto the street and I see the McDonald's. I think, ah. I gotta go back into the McDonald's. I gotta find that security guard and I have to eat some crow. I have to apologize and humble myself. I go back. He's not there. I don't know what happened to that guy. But in that moment, I poorly reflected a Christian for, for really no good reason. Over my inconvenience, over a parking spot. That's it. Why did I do that? You ever have that moment when you get just livid? And then in retrospect, you think, really? That's what you chose to get angry? See, that's the, the, the one extreme. If you're human, you're going to have those moments. They will happen from time to time. And they should cause us to reflect on what getting angry should be about. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 1. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 1. One of the things that Proverbs tells us is that a soft answer turns away wrath. But a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise commends knowledge. But the mouths, mouths of fools pour out folly. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word turns away. There's all sorts of harsh words. I gave that security guard some harsh words that I shouldn't have. I've given my children some harsh words that I shouldn't have. I've given my wife some harsh words that I shouldn't have. In that moment... And, and we think about how the words we've received, we've sent others, those harsh words, right? But let me put you on the flip side of that. What, what do you do when you're on the receiving end of the harsh words? Okay, this is what Proverbs 15 is talking about. In that moment, when I was harsh with the security guard, he got angry. I was angry, he got angry. I lashed out at him, he lashed back. I'm not putting on a security guard. It's not his responsibility. But in that moment, if he had responded with a soft answer, it probably would have evoked within me something like shame. Ah, He's really being more mature here than I am. There are lots of kinds of harsh words. There's criticism, gossip, outbursts, sarcasm, mockery. All of those come from, you know, Jesus said, The mouth speaks from the abundance of the heart. So 
when you're speaking in anger, it's coming from an angry place in your heart. And often those words elicit an angry response in another's heart. So it's just a, a downward spiral. I remember several years ago at teen camp, um, the, the youth group was really into playing Ultimate Frisbee. I don't know if you guys are still into playing Ultimate Frisbee, but that was, I mean, they literally play all afternoon Ultimate Frisbee. It was Ultimate, Ultimate Frisbee. Um, so I was out, I don't know, talking with somebody and, and watching the teens play, and it got pretty intense, got a little competitive. And there was one teenager who uh, lost his temper. And he was kind of an angry kid. And he just, he lost it over something really inconsequential. And in that moment, what happened was another young man who wasn't prone to losing his temper all of a sudden elicited the same response. Harsh words cause harsh hearts, and harsh hearts elicit harsh words. So we see it goes back and forth. You're going to receive a harsh word. It's going to happen. And I'm not talking about, like, people, you know, giving you a negative review or something like that. I mean, like, somebody's going to be harsh with you. And it doesn't really have as much to do with you as it does with them. It could be they're just hangry, right? It could be they need a nap. It could be they're going through the worst possible moments in their life. And they just happen to cross your path. Or you cross theirs. It says a lot more about them. So you're going to get those harsh words. So plan ahead. Tonight would be a good time to plan ahead about what you're going to do when you receive a harsh word. Proverbs 15.1 says, prepare some soft words. There's going to come some harsh words. And when you have a soft word, it turns away wrath. So, so have your soft words ready because you'll need them. I was driving down the road. You're noticing a theme here, aren't you? I was driving down the road. I don't know. I wasn't even angry. Uh, apparently, I cut some guy off. I didn't mean to. I was just going about my business. But see, I had crossed his path. I don't know what he was going through. Maybe he was hangry. Maybe he needed a nap. Maybe his... His closest friend in the world that just died. I don't know. But I cut him off in the, in the rearview mirror. I see a guy losing it. <laughs> Fingers flying and the whole bit. I looked up. I'm kind of surprised. I said, oh, I messed up on that one. I was trying to think, what do I do? So I kind of watched him in the rearview mirror, making sure he wasn't armed or anything. And uh, at the opportunity, when he came around to pass me, I tried to get up beside him. I rolled down my window. i to be careful. As his car came up, even with mine, I just did this. Which is the best heartfelt apology I can do at 70 miles an hour, okay? <laughs> Soft answer. Best soft, soft answer I could come up with. I mean, I knew I, I knew I had screwed up, and I owned it. And I apologized to this perfect stranger in that moment. Livid guy went like this. A soft answer turns away wrath. 
Wisdom will surprise harshness. Hotheads, they go around and they're angry all the time and they expect an angry reaction because people give them angry reactions in return. So surprise them. When somebody, some jerk comes in tomorrow at work and he's going off on you and you surprise them with a soft answer, it kind of shocks them. Not everybody. Some people don't, aren't wise enough to hear wisdom's call. Wisdom also shames harshness. When you do that, that guy, whether he's a Christian or not, I don't know, but, but he knew he shouldn't have responded in the way that he did. They don't know what to do with it, though. So wisdom will help you navigate uh, against the harsh words and the angry words when they come your way. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 18. Let's go there. A hot-tempered man stirs up strife. But he who is slow to anger quiets contention. People who are hotheads, hot-tempered, always angry about something, you ever notice that they always tend to be in the middle of drama? You know, and, and they, they, maybe they even notice it about themselves. They're like, man, there's always drama around. And sometimes they fail to make the correlation that sort of wherever you go, there you are. Anger elicits a reaction, and so mostly what it does is elicit more harsh words, more anger, more gossip, more slander. Do you got drama at your workplace? Do you got strife? you dread going in? Sunday nights are often the times, uh, I think it was... It was Netflix or Hulu or something like that uh, where the, the most streaming happens. Why is that happening? Why are they watching TV or, or streaming devices into the late hours when they have to be at work the next morning? Because they don't want to go to work, work the next morning. Do you know why? He's got angry people. If you, if you work in a place like that, practice your soft answers and... By the way, maybe it would be good to ask yourself, do you stir things up or do you calm things down? If you notice a lot more drama in your life, if you notice that there's always a situation, that there's there's always strife, perhaps, perhaps, I'm not judging you here, you judge yourself, but perhaps you should pay attention. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 32 Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty. He who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. This reminds me so much of another phrase, where another place where the phrase slow to anger is used, James 1.19. That's probably one that all and my entire family has used. Be quick to listen, be slow to speak and slow to become angry. Now, it doesn't say never become angry, and neither does this proverb. It says slow to anger, and that's important. Christians, it's okay to be angry for the right reasons, but, but, but be more like a, a crock pot than a microwave, okay? Get there slowly. Use wisdom. And when you get angry, make sure that it comes out in the right ways. 
Anger is an emotion. It's okay to be angry. In fact, it's probably gets you in, in equally as much trouble to never be angry. If you're, if you're angry all the time and you just stuff it down inside, that's going to manifest in other ways. So you've got you to deal with your anger and process it. And you've got to keep it in check. And that's wisdom. A couple of examples. Sometimes I have soup for lunch. Church has a little kitchenette there in the office area and there's a microwave. But <laughs> when I'm making the soup, I have to watch it because it's happened more than one time. I put it in there too long and it boils over. If you're not careful of stuff like that, it'll really make a mess. Some people are like that. Uh, Instead of being angry all the time, they just push it down and they push it down and they push it down and they push it down. And then all of a sudden, you just barely touch the button. It's like, they blow up, they explode, they make a huge mess. Question is, are you quick to anger or slow to anger? Which way does it work for you? We, we should, we have been given an, a gift of anger. It is an emotion that God made. But we've got to make sure that we are slow to anger, not just let everything in the world make us angry. Because if you're constantly angry all the time, that's just going to burn people out on your anger. You have people on your Facebook or Twitter feed that are just all caps all the time, like everything's a nightmare, everything's, you know, every day is a catastrophe, every, every day is something to complain about. I mean, it, it's all yelling, it's all, <laughs> like at some point you just get worn out by that, right? Slow to anger, slow to anger. Example number two, yesterday Grace and I were hanging some shelves in her room. She wanted some shelves for her little books, so we did that. And as we were doing that, um, I, I needed a tool that you all are probably familiar with called a level. So I was having Grace, you know, I was showing her how to, you know, put anchor screws in the wall and, and line the, everything up, and I showed her, that, you know, to hang the shelf we need a level. We have to use it and put it on the shelf and put it, put it on these two points to make sure that your, sh- your, your shelf, which should be straight, doesn't go like this. You know, the books will slide off. So we want it to be level. So I showed her the level. Actually, the level I have is, is one, is, used to belong to my grandpa. It still works perfectly. It's probably you know, level from his hardware store back in the 80s or so. But it's a good level. I said, now watch, no. And where we were hanging the shelf, I had to, I had to hold the level, and she had to tell me, is the bubble in the middle? Is the bubble between these two lines? And I was thinking about that. Maybe that's a good way to, you should have somebody in your life to say, hey, your, your bubble's getting a little out of line here. We, we want to keep our anger, we want to keep our head, you know, you've heard the term level-headed, right? Um, keep your bubble in the middle. There's a, a poem that I've quoted that I love. The poem's called If. And there's a line in that poem. It's talking about uh, a, a, a son. It's a father to his son. And he's talking about how you progress through life and, and your journey to manhood and all that. And there's one line where he says, If you can keep your head 
when all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you. If you can trust yourself when all men doubt you and make allowance for their doubting too. But I've, I've often kept that in mind. If you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs blaming it on you. That's a level head. That is controlled anger. That is slow to anger. Proverbs 23, uh, verses uh, 24 and 25. I'm sorry. 22. Make no friendship with a man given to anger, nor go with a, a wrathful man lest you learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. Angry people are sort of like grizzly bears. Grizzly bears are quite powerful and quite fearless and quite destructive. I don't know if you go camping or if you go to any national parks, but any place where there are grizzly bears, there is uh, a real danger, especially if you have food. There are some people who are sort of like grizzly bears. You ever see a a dog that cowers because he's been beaten so much in his life? That he comes around people and he just instinctively cowers because he's expecting to be smacked or kicked. You ever see a young child wince around an adult because they're expecting abuse? I'm not talking about discipline, I'm talking about abuse. Ever see a woman with new bruises that she explains away? Ever see children who are scarred from malicious, continual scolding from an angry mother? These are grizzlies. An angry person is like a grizzly. They will hurt you, and they will leave destruction and brokenness in their wake, in their wake. And if you are friends with a grizzly, There's only really two options. One, you become like them. Or two, you will be hurt by them. You've got to be careful. You've got to keep them at a distance. This is my moment with the teens. See someone who's angry a lot. Whether it's a friend yelling at their parents, always yelling all the time. The kid at school who's just constantly angry doesn't have much to do with you. There's something going on within their heart and their spirit. But you be careful about being friends with a, a grizzly bear because you get hurt. Pay attention. Be cautious in friendship. And by the way, if you are a grizzly bear, my guess is you don't have many close relationships in your life. And if you wonder why you're alone, maybe you should pay attention to the people you've hurt. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 11. A fool gives full vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds it back. Are you bringing calm or bringing drama? Rare are the times. Rare are the... In fact, I would almost say never. Never are the times 
when giving full vent to your anger solves the problem, makes you feel any better. You think it will. In your mind, you rehearse these scenarios where you're just going to unleash. Speaking from personal experience, it never solves the problem. And it always makes you feel worse. Giving full vent to your anger often hurts you more than it helps you. Perhaps you've heard the story of Genghis Khan. It's a story I read to my children in the Book of Virtues. Genghis Khan was, of course, a great king and a warrior. He had led his army into China and Persia. He had conquered many lands. In every country, men told about his daring deeds. And they said that since Alexander the Great, there had been no king like Genghis One morning when he was home from the wars, he rode out into the woods to have a day's sport. Many of his friends were with him. They rode gaily, carrying their bows and their arrows. Behind them came the servants and the hounds. It was a merry hunting party. The woods rang with their shouts and their laughter. They expected to carry much game home in the evening. On the king's wrist sat his favorite hawk. For in those days, hawks were trained to hunt. At a word from their masters, they would fly up high into the air and look around for prey. If they chanced to see a deer or rabbit, they would swoop down upon it swift as any arrow. And All day long, Genghis Khan and his huntsmen rode through the woods, but they did not find as much game as they had expected. Toward evening, they started home. The king had often ridden through the woods, and he knew all the paths, so while the rest of the party took the nearest way, he went by a longer road through the valley between two mountains. The day had been warm, and the king was very thirsty. His pet hawk had left his wrist and flown away. He would sure it would find its way home. As the king rode slowly along, he had once seen a spring of clear water near his path. If he could only find that spring now, but the hot days of summer had dried it up. At last, to his joy, he did see some water trickling down over the edge of a rock. He knew that this, there was a spring farther up. In the wet season, a swift stream of water water always poured there. But now, it only came down one drop at a time. Mighty king leapt from his horse. He took the silver cup from his hunting bag. He held it so as to catch the slowly falling drops. It took a long time to fill the cup, and the king was so thirsty he could hardly wait. At last, it was nearly full. He put the cups to his lips and was about to drink, and all at once there was a whirring sound in the air, and the cup was knocked clean from his hands. The water, all that he had saved up, was spilled upon the ground. The king looked up to see who dared to do such a thing, and circling above was his pet hawk. The hawk flew back and forth a few times, then alighted among the rocks by the spring. The king picked up the cup and again held it to catch the trickling drops. This time he did not wait so long. When the cup was half full, he lifted it toward his mouth, but before it touched his lips again, the hawk swooped down and knocked it from his hands. And now the king began to grow angry. He tried again for the third time, and the the hawk kept him from drinking. The king was now livid. How do you dare to act so? If I had you in my hands, I'd wring your neck. Then he filled the cup again, but before he tried to drink, he drew his sword. Now, Sir Hawk is the last time. He had hardly spoken before the hawk swooped down, knocked the cup from his hand, but the king was looking for this, and with a quick sweep of the sword, he struck the bird as it passed. The next moment, the poor hawk lay bleeding and dying at its master's feet. This is what you get for your pains, said Genghis. 
When he looked for his cup, he found that it had fallen between two rocks where he could not reach it. At any rate, he said, I will have a drink. And with that, he began to climb the steep bank to the place where the, from which the water trickled. It was hard work, and the higher he climbed, the thirstier he became. When at last he reached the place, there was indeed a pool of water. But what was lying in the pool, almost filling it? It was a huge, dead, poisonous snake. The king stopped. He forgot his thirst. He thought only of the poor dead bird lying on the ground below him. The hawk saved my life, he cried. And how did I repay him? My best hunting friend, I have killed him. He clambered down the bank. He took up the bird gently, laid it in his hunting bag. He mounted his horse and rode swiftly home and said to himself, I have learned a sad lesson today. That is never to do anything in anger. And we learned a lesson from Genghis May we be careful with the hawks in our lives as they try to warn us and keep us from danger. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 22. A man of wrath stirs up strife, and one given to anger causes much transgression. Angry people, as we said, stir up conflict. But there's an interesting part about this if you're interested in the physiological part of it. Anger does not come from the front of the brain. Anger comes from the back of the brain. Anger comes from the more basic, the more instinctive part of the brain. God forbid someone would ever come in here with a gun intending to do harm. In that moment, as your adrenaline surges, all of the prefrontal cortex stops. It all goes to the back of the brain. It's... it's, it's all instinctive. It's all just gut. When we saw this happen at a fellow Church of Christ, and if you watch the video, I mean, there was what happened in that moment was a gut instinct. He saw a husband and wife, and they were obviously had been married fifty or sixty years. But in that moment, when the gunshot came, he instinctively took his arm and covered himself over his wife, pushing her to the floor. That's gut. He didn't think through that. That was instinctive. Anger comes from that part of the brain. Okay, that's a good thing. That's the, the anger that caused the man to shoot the gunman. It's that instinctive thing. It just comes from here. The problem is that anger doesn't involve a lot of thinking. Which means when you get real angry, there's not a lot of thinking involved. So when I blew up at the security guard there at the McDonald's parking lot, and I I calmed down, and, and I began to go back to the front part of my brain, the thinking part of my brain, what were you thinking, is all I could think. The angrier you are, the less likely it is you are fully thinking through your actions, and that you are fully thinking through the consequences of your actions. Had another story to tell, but not enough time, so I'm just going to skip past that one and we'll finish. I won't tell you the story of Ike. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 33 will be the last one. Proverbs 30, verse 33.
For as churning cream produces butter, and as twisting the nose produces blood, so stirring up anger produces strife. These, these ideas, if you think about it, um, the churning of the cream, not something probably most of us in this audience are familiar with. Maybe you are, okay. But, but it, that's not an instantaneous process, right? You've got to stir it, and you've got to stir it, you've got to stir it. The twisting the nose to produce blood. I mean, if you grab somebody by the nose, it's not going to produce blood. But if you grab it hard and you twist and you turn, I mean, if you're in a fight and you grab that nose and you twist and you turn, it's going to produce blood. It's, it's, a, it's a churning, it's a twisting, it's a stirring up of the anger. When you're like that person, when you're always stirring something up, difficulty, trouble, drama, strife, there's always going to be difficulty, trouble, drama, and strife. And so when you live in anger, you actually live in danger. Just put the D in front of anger. When you live there, when you're constantly stirring things up, when you're constantly churning, when you're constantly twisting, when you're constantly goading, that's going to produce, always produce negative results. All right. Well, those are some of the proverbs on anger. Those are not... All of the Proverbs on anger. So what about you? The sermon tonight make you angry? Make you livid? Really mad at the preacher now? All right. You want your chance to vent? Sure you do. I've had this whole time with a microphone on. You just have to sit there and take it. All right. Well, I'll give you your shot. After the final amen, meet me in the fireside room. And let's talk about anger. Any of the Proverbs we talked about tonight, or if you had one that that I didn't mention and you'd like to talk about that, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Please bring a calm mind and a cool heart, and we'll talk, and, and may level heads prevail. Tonight, as we have studied from wisdom, may you know that the author of all wisdom, the source of all truth, Jesus Christ, wants you to be wise Not just in your life, but also in your death. Are you prepared for your eternal day? With each heartbeat, you are one heartbeat closer to meeting God. Are you ready? If you're not in Christ, you're not. If you are ready to be in Christ, you need to put Him on in baptism. You need to obey Him. You need to trust Him. You need to do what He asked to do. That would be the wisest choice you could ever make. Maybe you need to repent in a public way. Maybe you had a security guard moment. Maybe you were the security guard if you're here tonight. uh, You and I need to talk. (laughs) But if you need to repent in a public way over your anger or over the things you've done in anger, we'd be glad to pray with you and for you. If you have a public need, please come down front. I'll meet you down there as together we stand and sing.